Doctors take an oath to save lives by diagnosing and treating the patient. But a doctor personally undergoing elective surgery to donate an organ? That takes things to the next level. If people can see that, that a nephrologist donated and didn't hesitate, maybe they will be more willing to donate. Maybe more people will be willing to donate. That's nephrologist Dr. Alexandra Gmerchik, who's a kidney specialist, that donated a kidney to someone she didn't know. I'm Monica Fox, Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. This time, I'm talking to Dr. Gmerchik about why she decided to become a kidney donor. Dr. Gmerchik, what inspired you to go into a career treating kidney patients? I wanted to go into a specialty where I could take care of all patients' conditions. Um, I wanted something comprehensive. So I would be able to, to still continue practice some of my internal medicine skills in, in addition to my specialty skills. So nephrology seemed like very well-rounded specialty for me because in nephrology, you see the patients over and over again, especially when they end up on dialysis. And you're unfrequently their pretty much primary care physician. So I'm able to take care of their other medical problems when they arise, if I'm able to, if I feel comfortable. And I really like that. So I never forget any of my other specialty trainings. Like I never forget my cardiology. I never forget my pulmonology. I never forget my um, infectious disease because I'm always using my brain with that information, treating my patients. So I, I really like that about nephrology. In addition, I love that nephrology, we have to think a lot. There's not too much memorization. There's a lot of um, thinking involved, which I love. That's part of it. That's why I chose nephrology. That's great. What's the most emotionally challenging part of dealing with kidney patients? The most challenging parts of my profession, I think, is when I have to tell patients when they need to go on dialysis. You know, it happens all the time. A lot of patients take it very, very hard because it's a really major life change. They go from being spontaneous, being able to work, being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, to now having to go to a dialysis unit three times a week for four hours and not being able to make their own decisions in terms of like going into the dialysis unit, somebody else making the decisions for for them. They also have anxiety about certain things like, uh, will my access, my dialysis access work the next time I go to my dialysis unit? Will I able to be dialyzed or not. Those are probably the most challenging parts of it. And also when I have to talk to them maybe about when to stop dialysis, because, you know, when when we approach the end of life, sometimes patients won't benefit from dialysis anymore. And it's something we should, as nephrologists, also address. Because when the patient maybe has a terminal illness and we see that dialysis might be harming them and not helping them anymore because it's making them sleepy, tired, and just overall not helping them at all. And they would probably benefit from 
maybe going home and not suffering during dialysis because sometimes they do suffer. They do get nauseated, they get lightheaded, they get tired. And when it's not helping anymore, it's time to stop. So those are the two times when I think it's a little bit challenging. Thank you for sharing, you know, both ends of the spectrum of the emotionally challenging part of dealing with kidney patients. I can imagine that, you know, that that must be difficult. Now, what motivated you to donate your kidney to a stranger instead of a known patient? You know, I have so many patients that I see right now that want a kidney transplant. And it's so difficult to just pick one patient. My heart breaks for all of them, and I want all of them to get a kidney transplant. And I couldn't just make a decision. It's For me, it's kind of like having to choose one child over another. So I just went to my transplant center at Northwestern where I work, and I told them, please just help me make that decision and I would just like to have two transplants, at least two transplants happen out of this. So I was able to donate to a paired kidney exchange program and two transplants happened out of it because I donated to someone who had a donor who didn't match them. And then that person donated to another patient at Northwestern. And that way, two transplants happened. But I just couldn't make a decision to donate to one specific person because I know that so many patients out there are waiting and I just couldn't pick one. I understand that. And I think it's fantastic that two patients received a gift based on your your one donation. That's just great. So how do you feel when one of your patients gets a kidney? Oh my gosh, I am so happy when they get a kidney. I'm just, it just, it's a sense of accomplishment too, because at Jesse Brown VA, um, where I also work, I work at Northwestern Memorial Hospital and I work at Jesse Brown VA in Chicago. I'm one of the leaders of as this transplant committee where we're trying to get our patients transplanted faster. So we work them up. We try to make their work up faster. Um, we remind them. We have a fantastic transplant coordinator who is working with us to make that occur as soon as possible because before our transplant uh, workups would take forever. And we did some strategies to make that happen sooner. So whenever that happens, we are just ecstatic that another patient got a transplant. So for me, it's a sense of accomplishment that we got another patient transplanted, another patient off the list. And I'm just so happy for them because I know their life is going to be improved, that their life is going to be healthier, and they're going to live longer because patients live longer with kidney transplants. Yes. And that that really is exciting to hear about expediting the workup process to try to get people transplanted sooner. I love to hear that. So please tell us about the process that you went through to donate your kidney. Yes. So I've been thinking about this for about nine years. The reason why I didn't donate sooner is because I have a history of bladder malignancy when I was in my 20s. So I wasn't sure if I could donate. But about three years ago, I asked one of our transplant nephrologists if someone like me who had a history of bladder tumor 
could donate if if I haven't had a recurrence since you know for a long time. Um, and he said yes, probably. After that, COVID happened and things slowed down a little bit in terms of being able to get tests. So finally, this year in November, I actually October, I went back and I said I want to do this now. And I also got some, I got better social support at that time. So I decided this is going to be the year where I'm going to get worked up. So what I did is I just called our Northwestern. Um, transplant center and I actually know all of them so I told them I'm interested and they were really happy and normally what would happen is um, I would have to go to an informational session where we, they would tell me all about the donation process what it involves but I didn't need that part because I already know so I skipped that one part and then they set up for me uh, a whole day of testing and meeting the experts so I would do like a kidney function test, a GFR test. It was a nuclear test to make sure that my kidney function was really, you know, perfectly normal. That's a nuclear test where they inject like a nuclear agent that doesn't hurt you. It, does, it doesn't get absorbed. It just tells you how good your kidney function is. And then they also do a CAT scan of your abdomen and pelvis to make sure your kidneys are fine. You don't have any kidney stones. Your vasculature is normal to make sure that if they take out the kidney, your, your blood vessels are normal. And then I also had a whole bunch of blood tests, make sure your liver is okay, your kidneys are okay, you don't have infectious diseases, all that. And then I met on the same day with experts like um, the transplant surgeon, the transplant nephrologist, a pharmacist, uh, a social worker to make sure that I have enough resources to stop working for a couple of weeks if I need to take time off, that I have childcare if I needed it, that I have transportation to the place if I needed, and donor advocate. It was all organized in one day. It was one full day, but it was really, really well organized. And I think in most transplant centers, it's like that. So it's very convenient. So even if you have to travel from out of state to do that, it's all in one day. So after that, I waited, I think about a week. The committee in transplant met about my file. They reviewed all my tests and um, they determined I was a good donor candidate. And then they called me and they told me, we're going to wait a little bit until the situation that you want, which is I wanted at least two transplants to happen. So, so I wanted um, a paired kidney exchange to be possible until that's available. And then we, we will give you two to three weeks notice and then you should be ready for surgery. In February, they called me and my surgery was scheduled for February 16th. And that's when it happened. <laughs> And I have to say that all along the way, the patient advocate tells you and it t they tell everyone, you can back out at any point. If you don't want to do the donation, you can change your mind. You can say, I don't want to donate. You don't even have to give a reason. It could be any reason at all. You can say, I don't want to donate. And all your donor will know is that you're not a suitable candidate. So a lot of people are maybe worried that if they back out, their donor is going to be mad at them or the donor will be disappointed, but the donor will not know the reason. They will just know that you're not a suitable donor, medically not suitable. 
so they don't have to worry about that. You can back out all the way until up until you're in the OR. Wow. So the process is very thorough. Yes. Very organized. Yes. Um, and very focused on the donor. And I, I love that confidentiality of it. Yes. And it's very easy. And I said this before to someone that the first, to me, the most most difficult step was just the first step, making the decision to donate. And then after that, everything else was easy. They made it so easy for us. That's great. Mm -hmm. So how'd you feel when you learned that there was a match and the situation that you wanted to happen was scheduled? I was excited. I was really excited because I've wanted to do this for so long. And finally, it was going to come true. I was happy for the recipient, whoever it was going to be. I knew that there's a possibility that I will not meet this person. And that was okay with me. I was a little nervous, of course, because of surgery. But I was just mainly really, really excited and happy. I can imagine that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. So what do you know about the recipient of your kidney? I We had a press conference afterwards, about two months after the donation, and the recipient was a participant of the um, press conference. Oh, so, so you met them. Yes. So I met the recipient that my kidney went to directly. She's from Virginia. Her name is Ginger. She was on the press conference, so um, I'm saying her name because it's known. Her husband was also a donor, and he donated to a patient at Northwestern. And the Northwestern patient was also present, and I got to meet him as well. It was just amazing because everyone was really emotional. The Northwestern patient cried from gratitude. He was so happy. Ginger was emotional to my recipient. It was just amazing. It was just so much love there. It was just, it was such a beautiful moment. Yeah, that makes me, (laughs) that makes me very emotional. (laughs) I know, I know. It was it was really beautiful. I was I was so happy. I got everyone like when I donated afterwards. One of my colleagues, um, Shika, she gave me the stuffed kidney. Um, it was like a stuffed kidney with a smile on its face, a purple one. And I got the same ones for everyone else, for the two recipients and for the other donors. So I sent them <laughs> to them after the conference. And so we all each, we all have the same ones, the same kidneys. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> so how long was your recovery process? So you know what? I was surprised. It was very... Very easy. So I walked home right after the surgery. Um, I stay in the hospital just one day. You go home the next day. I was walking in the hallway the same day at night. The next day I walked home from the hospital. I only lived like 10 minutes away, but I made my friend who walked me home, I I made her let me walk home (laughs) because, you know, I could. I was fine. And then I was able to take care of myself when I got home. I was able to take care of my dog when I got home. I was able to go grocery shopping for like, you know, small things at a time because you're not supposed to lift more than 10 pounds um, for like six weeks. Other than that, like I didn't really need any help. And I know that's not 
true for everyone because some people might need more help, but I didn't need any. After two weeks, I went back to work and now I'm almost two and a half months after the transplant and uh, I mean, after the donation and I'm able to run with my dog like four miles and I'm fine. I feel completely normal. You're amazing. You're amazing. (laughs) Since donating your kidney, what, if anything, are you unable to do? Any donor should not be taking anti-inflammatory medications because they can hurt your one kidney, one remaining kidney. Unless it's like one once in a while, one ibuprofen in a blue moon is okay. But otherwise, stay away from those. Tylenol or acetaminophen is okay because that one does not affect the kidneys. Uh, Salt, avoid salt because salt can cause high blood pressure and donors have a little bit higher risk of high blood pressure. And maybe avoid contact sports where your other kidney could get injured. But otherwise, everything else is pretty much life as usual. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) When you're not working, what's your favorite thing to do? I love to dance, so I do salsa dancing. Oh, fun. And ballroom dancing, but yes, Latin dancing is my favorite. (laughs) Awesome. And I run, and I have my little dog, which is my little furry friend, and we go for walks, so I love doing that. (laughs) Great. What impact can donors like yourself have on the transplantation system? Donors can advocate for recipients by encouraging other people to donate. And I thought one of my goals for donation was not just to help one person, but to encourage other people to donate because I'm a physician and I'm a kidney doctor and I know the risks and they're not big risks. They're very small risks. And I know the benefits because there are benefits, like you feel good, you help another person. So we definitely get benefits as well. If people can see that, that a nephrologist donated and didn't hesitate, maybe they will be more willing to donate. Maybe other more people will be willing to donate. That was my second goal. I also wanted to inspire more trust in the medical system and in doctors in general, because I noticed that some patients have a little bit of mistrust in doctors and in the medical system for whatever reason. And I I just wanted them to see that I do believe in transplantation and I know I believe in patients living longer and living healthier with the transplant. And I believe in it so much that I'm willing to give up my own kidney for them to see that. And hopefully they will be willing to, you know, undergo a transplant workup and, uh, and be willing to accept the transplant. So that was my other goal. Well, you set quite an example. Oh, thank you. What changes do you think can be made to the overall living donation system to encourage others to donate? One thing I wanted to change in, in, for the transplantation in general. There's one thing that I have noticed that is a really big block for transplantation in general, in, especially where I'm working right now at the Jesse Brown VA, um, and I'm sure it's like that at other places too, is the patients who are getting transplant have to have a support system person. So that means a person who's willing to help them after transplant 
drive them to appointments. And a lot of patients don't have that one person. I'm hoping that maybe we can come up with a plan somehow, maybe put those patients in even a nursing home for a couple of weeks afterwards or have them have home health or some, some, a nurse stay with them for you know, a week or two after transplant. Because it, it, to me, it's worth it because some patients don't have that. And, and it's so unfortunate. My heart breaks. They can't get a transplant because they don't have that one person that can help them. And it's only short term. If we can only get them through that short period of time, they can have a transplant and then they can be independent and they don't need that anymore. Not everyone will qualify because some people are debilitated and they can't get away without having one support person forever. But some patients are pretty independent. They only need a little bit of support at first. And I hope that we could provide that for them as a medical system. And then, you know, they will be okay afterwards. That's a big barrier, I've noticed. Yes, yes, that is a barrier. Yeah, and for a donation, maybe to encourage people to be uh, donors, we need more education like this. Educate donors that they can be live normal lives and live just as long and just as healthy lives with just one kidney because a lot of people don't know that. Maybe even offer them something like free healthcare, you know, for life. Mm-hmm. That would be some incentive that maybe some people would, would be more willing to donate because of that. I, I, I see that as something helpful. That could be helpful. Mm-hmm. How's being a living donor impacted how you approach your patients? I approach my patients on dialysis or even before dialysis, the ones who are hesitant to get a transplant workup. I tell them that I donate a kidney. You shouldn't hesitate. You shouldn't be fearful. Trust the doctors. Trust the medical system. You will live longer and healthier with a transplant. And I believe then in this. And I donated my own kidney. And hopefully you will trust this a little bit more because of me. And the same thing when I see patients come in with their families or friends, I can tell their friend and their family, I donated. And, you know, if you're healthy, if you're evaluated by a transplant center and they tell you that you're healthy enough, you know, you will be okay. Just like me. I'm okay with one kidney. You will be okay as well. So hopefully that will help, uh, you know, their friends and family to be less fearful of donation. Nothing like a living example. (laughs) I was hoping for that, yes. Yes, yes. What's one thing you want people to take away from your journey? You just need to decide to do it and everything else is easy. The transplant centers make it so smooth and so easy and your life will really not be affected by it. You You will feel fine after a couple of months. You will live your normal life. You won't even notice you only have one kidney. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. I love that. (laughs) Thank you so much, doctor, for your time. Thank you for that selfless gift that you gave. What a way to give into the system that you are giving so much into every day by working. Well, thank you so much for helping me spread the message. And this will hopefully help other people get inspired to donate. Yes, I hope so. Thank you. Dialysis and transplant are two treatments for kidney failure. Transplant's the best. 
For more information about Living Donation, visit nkfi.org. I'm Monica Fox, a grateful kidney transplant recipient, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention's a key part of our mission at the Kidney Foundation. That's why, at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health tip. Here's today's nutrition tip about kidney stones. It's estimated that one in 10 people will have a kidney stone at some point in their lifetime. A kidney stone is a hard object that is made from the chemicals in urine. There are five different types of kidney stones, calcium oxalate, calcium phosphate, uric acid, struvite, and cysteine. Calcium oxalate stones are the most common type of kidney stone and are created when calcium combines with oxalate in the urine. Inadequate calcium and fluid intake, along with other conditions, may contribute to their formation. Calcium phosphate stones are less common, but are caused by similar things as calcium oxalate stones. Uric acid is another common type of kidney stone and often occurs with high consumption of purine-rich foods like organ meats and shellfish over a period of time. High purine intake increases the production of monosodium urate, which may form stones in the kidney. And while it's okay to consume these foods in moderation, be cautious of excessive regular consumption if you may be at risk for the development of uric acid kidney stones. Struvite kidney stones are less common and are caused by an infection in your upper urinary tract. Finally, cysteine stones tend to be rare and are hereditary. Common symptoms of kidney stones include severe pain in your lower back, blood in your urine, nausea, vomiting, fever, and chills, or urine that smells bad or looks cloudy. If you have any of these symptoms, it's important to follow up with your healthcare provider. Want to reduce your risk for developing a kidney stone? Follow these tips. Drink fluids to keep your urine less concentrated with waste products. Aim for 12 glasses a day. Water is best and sugar-sweetened beverages should be limited. Eat lots of fruits and vegetables in order to make urine that is less acidic. When your urine is less acidic, it will be more difficult for stones to form. Reduce excess salt in your diet and make sure you meet the minimum recommended daily allowance of 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day to prevent kidney stones. Try to get this through food as calcium supplements tend to increase kidney stone risk. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.